and you can almost become the character that you want to be. The problem was the lines get blurred. It then progressed from just these harmless conversations to, you know, nudity, to sending videos, to sending explicit content, to like, you know, exchanging details outside of those social media platforms. Welcome to the Secret Life Podcast. Tell me your secret. I'll tell you mine. Sometimes you have to go through the darkness to reach the light. That's what I did. After 12 years of recovery in sex and love addiction, I finally found my soulmate, myself. Please join me in my novel, Secret Life of a Hollywood Sex and Love Addict, a four-time bestseller on Amazon. It's a brutal, honest, raw, gnarly ride, but hilarious at the same time. Check it out now on Amazon. Welcome to Secret Life Podcast. I'm Brianne Davis-Gant. Today, I'm pulling back the curtains of all kinds of human secrets. We'll hear about what people are hiding from themselves or others. You know those deep, dark secrets you probably want to take to your grave? Or those lighter, funnier secrets that are just plain embarrassing? Really? The how, what, when, where, and why of it all. Today, my guest is Kat. Now, Kat, I have a question for you. Ooh, dun-dun-dun. What is your secret? So my secret is that I used strangers on the internet or all sorts of stuff. (laughs) I love that secret because there's so many ways you can go with it. And it's literally flashing in my mind all these people that do the same thing that I know. So I want to hear what that is for you. What does that look like? When did you start all that stuff? So let's get into the nitty gritty. Perfect. Okay. When did it start is a good question, but when I'm going to start it from, Mm -hmm. I think is the point where I became aware of it. Um, So I, my daughter's six and a half. And after she was born, I became a single parent within that first, I think she was 10 months old when I became a single parent. Hardest job in the world, hardest job in the world. Uh, (laughs) And I did that actually for a few years. I'm now, I'm married and, and that kind of stuff. But yeah, I think it really started kicking off when I I was a little bit lost after our relationship ended. I left willingly. So that was my choice to leave, but I wasn't prepared to become a single parent. So I was like trying to learn how to juggle everything. You're a mom, you know, it's like, you're trying to show up for this thing and that thing and trying to be a member of a PTA and trying to, you know, organize stuff and your child wants you. (laughs) Yeah. You come last, right? You come last though, a lot of the times. And I think question before you get in, why did you leave her father? Her dad. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a mentally and verbally abusive relationship and he was a narcissist, an extreme narcissist. And so he, he had his thumb over me, the whole relationship. I wasn't allowed to have friends. I wasn't allowed to go out. He had moved me from one side of the country to the other side and like isolated me. Classic narcissist move, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, totally. So, I've had a narcissist in my life, so uh, I totally get it. Oh, uh, and they just want you to be under their control and reliant on them. So, yeah. so yeah, so I left him and that wasn't easy, but it got to the point where I think combined with my hormones after birth, after giving birth to her, I just, I felt like I was going crazy and all the things that he had been doing before that. Now, of course your baby comes first. And I was like, I can't raise her in this environment. Yeah. Especially being a a little girl, a little, right. I, I kept thinking to myself, do I want to 
have this be the model for the relationships that she's going to have in her life? And the answer was no. But not having my family there, I was on the other side of the country. I was completely alone, right? So you come out of that, an abusive relationship, your self-esteem is low, your self-worth is low. You're trying to feel like a a powerful, like badass woman. And I was like, oh, like I'm taking my power back. I'm going to be this and that. But that's where the using and people came into it because I needed that validation where it was like, I thought I was in control. I'm using Instagram and Facebook as well. I'm sure you get this. You get random dudes that reach out to you in your DMs. I started liking the attention. So you started intriguing back with them. Right. Right. Having little conversation or just like little little t- what I thought was like harmless chit chat, yeah. you know, but in the meantime, I was kind of, it was kind of feeding into my need to feel validated and loved in my decision to have left him. Right. So I was, I, I but I didn't see it like that. And I think that's why I continued with it, but it got so, worse. Because I think if you're listening out there and you've had a child and be you, a woman, you feel so depleted, right? I felt that way. Completely yeah. depleted. Your body didn't belong to you anymore. You right. just, and then if you're going through a breakup, especially with a narcissist, you're setting yourself up for like, woo, some, some acting it, out. <laughs> it is a roller coaster. And that's right. It, it was acting out. But th- this is these looking back now, I can say that. But that's all terminology that I've learned. I, I'm in recovery for drug and alcohol abuse. OK, and when did I'm you get into that. Uh, I've been completely, um, sober from alcohol for almost eight months Mm -hmm. and, uh, I'm from cocaine for over three years now. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So I, but I've been on this like quote recovery sobriety journey. Um, I'd say for like three years, I was trying to get a handle, but that also went hand in hand with this whole strangers and, and stuff like that. I really just I didn't have an identity. I think Mm -hmm. uh, becoming a single parent, becoming any type of parent, like you said, you kind of, your needs go on the back burner completely. And you're thinking, oh, I can make it to that Pilates, you know, hand him off to my husband and I can go do this and that. Well, I didn't have anyone to hand her off to. I really didn't. I, his family eventually stepped in and I started getting every other weekend, but he didn't step up and, and, and he's not involved in her life. So, you know, it was a really challenging and and depleting time. Like you said, where you're just drained all the time. So you're not thinking straight. Yeah. And you're just trying to get filled in any way you can, because a lot of it goes into fantasy and not living in reality. And that's where the strangers come in. So what did that secret look like? You said you know, you started, you know, gently messages on IG on Facebook. (laughs) So let's take us through what happened. Yeah. Um, so it, it, it did start like that, what I call innocently, but Mm -hmm. it really, it wasn't, I think what, what started happening was I found out some of the guys that I was talking to were married Mm -hmm. or had, were in relationships, of course. Right. Um, that they were in long-term relationships and that this was their form of escape too. Yeah. And, they say that it's because they're in boredom, right? You're like, right. no, you're actually, <laughs> no. you're actually having an emotional affair. Like you are, you're actually cheating. So. Yeah, and that was me. I'm only saying it if you're out there because I've done it too. Like I right. literally escaped reality just having little conversations with people. Yeah, and you can almost become the character that you want to be. So yeah. for me, a lot of it was the acting, but the problem was the lines get blurred where the acting turns into that's who you are. So. 
Um, it then progressed from just these harmless conversations to, to, you know, nudity, to sending videos, to sending explicit content, to like, you know, exchanging details outside of those um, social media platforms. So you sent nudity or they did? Mm-hmm. Both. They did. Wow. But usually, but if I think about it now, it was usually me give, 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 right? Because of course, these guys <laughs> are going to be like, yeah, send me all the naked pictures. Now are we talking like but- boobs and butt? Are we talking the whole shebang, like downstairs I- and everything? It would really depend. Some some of them were that. I mean, mm-hmm. the one guy that ended up becoming a long term, I don't know what you even call it. He he it turns out he was married, mm-hmm. but with him it was the whole shebang. But mm-hmm. eventually I'd realized like I'd never met his family, I'd never been to his hometown. Him and I would meet up where I in the town where I lived and like wow. every Sunday or whatever it was. So he was fully involved. But yeah, the, honestly, the things that I was doing progressed more because alongside this my my drinking picked up and my using picked up so I'm then having no boundaries in terms of what I'm willing to do dangerous things too but like for the most part you know the conversations back and forth would have that sexual content or or even just to the point where I would almost say that some of them were ordering on abusive that these guys would contact me like you know their girlfriends in bed and they're like hey what are you doing like I want to chat right now send me something blah 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 and it sounds so crazy to say it now that I didn't realize that they're like using me but I I honestly saying it to you now I was using them too because that was my form of feeling sexy feeling like a woman feeling like not a mom so like when my daughter's away for that weekend and I was going out and partying too yeah. But then I had this whole like secret life of like my friends didn't know that I was doing that. Oh, nobody, nobody knew. Nobody knew except for the one guy, like I said, who eventually some of my close friends came to know that he because they saw what I went through with that. Mm-hmm. But with they didn't know all these other ones because I think I was a little bit ashamed of of what I was doing even at the time, which caused me to drink more to try right. and balance it. So yeah, it was acting out in so many ways. So you sent pictures. Was there an exchange or you were just sending pictures and it was, so what was the exchange? No. So, so sometimes, um, these guys, it would be things like, oh, I can't, I think I mentioned this to you when I talked to you about it actually at first is like the single mom card of like, I can't afford to pay for, um, food for my daughter, whatever. So then it would be like, um, I'm from Canada. So it's, we don't have Venmo, but it's like the equivalent of a Venmo. Like, oh, I'll send you this if you do if you send me a five minute clip and like make sure it like it was things like make sure you hold up a piece of paper with my with the dude's name on it so that he knows that that's you and that so like really it's almost like you're like some cam girl cam girl yeah (laughs) doing (laughs) things that like it progressed because it, it never started out like that and there was a couple of the guys who this was a regular thing so in the beginning it was like, hey, I really care about you. Um, I know you're struggling as a mom. I want to be able to help you out. But like you said, there was always an exchange for yeah. it. There yeah. was always like a, a system of like, okay, this is what I expect in return. And I was willing to do that. And it wasn't even just for things like that. It was like, oh, I want a purse. Or, oh, I want <laughs> to buy makeup or alcohol, obviously, at one point was what it became. But But these, but it didn't. The only reason that stopped is when I met my husband and I met him through Instagram through he he sent me a message into my DMs, not of this nature, 
Okay. Okay. Wait, you're, you're jumping ahead. Let's move yes. back. Like I, yes. I do want to talk about you meeting your husband on Instagram, which I like, it's so funny. We're saying that like all yes. the stuff before, and that's how you meet your husband. Right. But take me through what a normal conversation is like starting out that secret. So if a guy, you know, during your conversation, if you're like, I'm struggling and they're like, well, let me send you some money because you're struggling. And then they'd be like, let me send you some money, but can you send me a picture of your boobs? Like how did that progression go? Cause it probably progressed to, you know, more intense, right? It did. And I think the thing is when you're desperate, the way that I was, you, they, men like that or people like that, whatever, will see that quality in you. And they pray pray on that. Right. So they see me willing, basically quote, willing to do anything for money. So it would start out as, you know, send me, yeah, send me a picture of your boobs or whatever, or, Hey, Mm -hmm. I'm feeling kind of lonely. Can you, you know, make me smile, whatever. And I'll, I'll, um, make sure that I take care of you. And they, and then they would set a precedence that they would always do that, but eventually it became, um, sending, uh, videos of sexual nature. Got it. Oh, I want you to do whatever. Um, Masturbate or whatever. Right. Exactly. Okay. That kind of thing. And then, and that was, I mean, like I said, I didn't meet any of these people except for that guy, Yeah. but I had longstanding, you know, exchanges and, and even to the point where some of them would go through these cycles of like, I can't talk to you anymore. My wife's like really on my whatever right now, or my girlfriend or whatever, or well, I've broken up with her. I need more of this. And, and so it would increase to, well, I'm going to send you $200, but you better make it some really good quote content this weekend so that it gets me through my weekend. And it would be things like that. Oh, get a toy out and do this or get, you know, that kind of stuff. And, but again, I didn't really think, I thought I was being this independent, like wild woman perversion, willing to ruin their relationship for you. You know, there's this thing when you're empty as a person and then someone's willing to like go this risk, right? This like giving you money. It's, it's like your value, you feel like increased, but what what you're really doing is killing yourself pretty much. Did you, is that why you started drinking more and doing drugs more because probably everything was crashing at the same time you were getting high. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't keep it together at that point. Cause my, when I um, drink and use my depression and my anxiety go through the roof. So yeah. I, I, I don't currently struggle with depression at all and sobriety. Anxiety is manageable, but like those things were amplified. So it, it it got to the point where I would have to drink a lot before I would be able to do the things that they were asking me to do. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like before I could engage in any type of promiscuous um, act for, for that. And I think it was because the, my moral um, boundaries were crossed too. Although it would sound to maybe your listeners like, oh, she had no morals at that point. I really, I did. I just, I was so lost in trying to, be loved, to fit in, to, to have um, validation, to, to survive. survive. Being a single parent is hard. I mean, mm-hmm. financially, it's hard. Even if you have a great job, it's hard. It is hard. And and, a, and that's a good point that you say that because as a mother, if you asked a lot of mothers, there's probably not a lot of things we wouldn't do for our kids. So at what point did I ever think I thought I was doing what I had to do 
to put food on the table and to um, provide for my daughter. Yeah, but no, of course, and you know, it listen, wasn't we just all have that. Morals. We all <laughs> right. have morals. We've done things we're not proud of. You know, we yeah. do those things to survive. And that's what I tell myself and other people like it, mm. just because you do bad things doesn't make you a bad person. Bad person. Right. Yeah. I wasn't thriving, but I was, I was surviving. And I, and that was really, but the more that my alcohol and and drug use escalated was directly in correlation with doing these things that were not in line with my values. And so I just kind of kept deviating further from that path and, and not knowing how to get out because the problem is when people are paying you to do these things, they have expectations. So like, I can't just be like, drop off, like, Oh, see you later. Like, no, they see regardless whether you've met them in person with the way that that technology is now you can find people. And it's really hard to just go anonymous. Now this was from my old Instagram account, but like sometimes these people have still popped up in the last few years. They yeah, just, when you like, least expect it. Like, yes, when my husband's oh, sitting shit. next to me, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I didn't need to see that dick pic or whatever, right? Like oh something that doesn't happen now that I have my US number, but. Oh my God, I hate a dick pic. Don't send a <laughs> dick pic. Just so you know, I know no woman that's like, ooh, that's a nice dick. Ooh. Ever. And ever. It's, it's, it's never. Not, women are not interested, even if no. we like a penis. Please do not send a dick pic. In I person is different, though. A picture, but they don't look nice. No, even in person, sometimes I'm like, that is not the that is not the most attractive. I think women look more beautiful than men. They do the The curves, everything. Yeah, and I'm not bisexual, which you are. That's awesome. But okay, we are getting off topic. But yes. So where's who's this person that you met in person? How did that amplify? How did you meet in person? Did you like him, or was it just like he? was showering you like how did that happen to take it in person um yeah he so he contacted me on Facebook he sent me a message one day and it just said hey did you go to so-and-so school or work or whatever basically trying to say like oh I recognize you are you so-and-so mm-hmm. or not the not the name but like oh did you work at this place and I was like no that's not me and then he started out just a conversation of like oh, okay well I think you're really gorgeous have a nice day was how he ended it and then he and he was very attractive. I, I will say he was very attractive. And I was kind of like, oh, what's this guy like contacting me? Right. But I didn't think anything of it. And then a few days passed and he contacted me again and we started chatting. And I hadn't been I, again this whole time. I didn't have a boyfriend. I just yeah. had all these dudes I was talking to. And he was the one that kind of he asked me about my my life. He had seen my daughter and me in one of my profile pictures. And he, we talked about that. And he just seemed interested. And he was older at that point than any of the other guys and just seemed to be established, had a house at the pool, you know, like these things. Right. And I was like, okay. And uh, he told me he was breaking up with his long-term girlfriend, that they were in the midst of a breakup. Mm -hmm. She was moving out, blah, blah, blah. So that's the story that I knew come to find out. And, but yet he would only come and see me. So we arranged to meet up. He showed up. He was the guy in his pictures. Everything was great. The chemistry was great. I was like, Oh my God. Okay. This is too good. You kind of started dating him. We, I did. And okay. I put everything else on the back burner for this guy. Okay. He turned out to be very controlling as well. Mm-hmm. Um, he love bombed you, right? 
Oh, he like flowers and freaking like everything I needed to hear everything. He took me to the best places. Right. I was like, oh, and of course, Do you know how you many know? times I've heard this story. Like I literally <laughs> could repeat this story. Like a that's why guys times. do it, though, because we keep, you know, buying into it. I'm like, OK, but that had never been me. And that should have been my first sign is like I was never that girl. I was always in like long term relationships and I, I had never been wined and dined. So, of course, yeah. when someone came and did that. I was like, sweet, you know, um, come to find out about seven or eight months later that he had been with her like this whole time. I think they were married to this day. I don't know. But he mm-hmm. says when it all blew up, he said that they were to back they had gotten back together for the sake of her son because he was the only father or he was the only father figure her son had ever known some crap like that right like oh I had to do it for her but you didn't have to lie to me or to her about this whole thing who knows if they were ever not together that's they my probably thing. I would say 95% they probably were together just Garrett, from my experience. But it was so dangerous. Like he's sleeping with her and with me. And and he was he was the only one. I kept pressuring him at a certain point to meet his key. He, he had older kids, like teenage kids. And I was like, I want to meet your kids. Want to see your house, your dog, whatever, whatever. None of that ever materialized. And but he would not let me go after even after I found out, you know, about everything, he still had a hold. So that's also when everything ramped up with me and these other guys is because I was like, I wanted to be like a big F you to this guy. Like, look at me, I'm out here getting all these other dudes. So I kind of, it kind of went out of control at that point because I, I wanted to prove a point. Well, you got hurt. It also mm-hmm. seems like you kind of got lied to yeah. and tricked and manipulated. So when we're right. hurt, we hurt others. Mm-hmm. And that was where I say when I said to you, I'm using people because I knew that I as much as they couldn't offer me what I deserved, I couldn't offer them either. I was I was broken then. And I don't believe that we're broken forever. I think there was that period in time was really hard for me to be an honorable like person who didn't lie like I just lied about everything about who I was I had like four different versions of cat like this is me in this situation you you become a chameleon to those situations so I think I just uh I carried on using people even more Mm -hmm. because some of them there was a couple of them that actually got what I say attached to me where they became dependent on, they would tell me things about their relationship or whatever it was. And so I well, felt you were like, both pa- playing a role and you still, yeah. even when you're playing a role and wearing those masks, just from my own experience, people still become connected and yeah. dependent and mm. not wanting to let that go. Even if it's not real, you know, we all strive for this connection, but we're terrified of getting hurt and having intimacy. So we play these parts. We become these characters to protect ourselves. Mm-hmm. And that was what I was scared is having that real connection. I guess deep down, I didn't feel worthy of that, but yeah. I would pretend and I would play these roles to have what looked like a connection to somebody. Oh, I'm being like a therapist to this guy. I'm really helping him out, listening to his problems and sending him ass or whatever, you know, like, sending him ass. Is, right. Sending him ass. I love that. Saying. <laughs> you know, like, oh, this is going to help. Like, I'm helping I don't know. him. I'm helping heal him. Because that, that was the root of it, too, though, is I am actually a helper. And I think, you know, in sobriety, that manifests as, as acts of service and being able to like 
be there genuinely as a friend. Like I was a shitty friend through all that to any of these people, people I didn't know, people I used, people in my life. And now it's come full circle that most, like none of those, obviously people I used were, are in my life now, but even a lot of the so-called friends, they're not in my life either. Oh yeah. You know, my sobriety community. House. You clean oh, house. You, you realize like you were never available. You were never a good friend and you picked right. unavailable people. And that's what I say. If you're with an unavailable person, to have unavailable friends, something in you is unavailable that you pick yeah. those people. Like attracts like with that. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I did want to say one thing that I just heard the other day, cause you said you don't have depression anymore, but you still have anxiety. And I heard this mm-hmm. saying that really helped me. It said, if you live in the past, you're probably pl- plagued with depression. And if you're living with anxiety, it's because you're living in the future. I like that. So if uh, that just helped oh. me, I was like, oh my God, I just was having a little depression <laughs> and I'm in anxiety. So I'm living in this fear. Yes, that, that is so true. And and we say um, future tripping. So oh, I yeah, say I that a lot, tripping. like don't future trip <laughs> with things, but, but you're right. A depression probably does pop up. Sometimes I think we go through those cycles. I, I'm not on any medication right now. And I think, um, and I was on all sorts of different things during that period that we just talked about where they were like trying things, but of course none of them work. Cause I was drinking like, duh, let's give you, you know, Ciprolex, but it's not going to work because you're numbing yourself with poison. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's like poison and poison and poison <laughs> and all doing different things to your body. Right. But then you say, so you, he, how long did you stay with the in-person guy? Cause he kept his hooks in you. And then did you then meet your husband now or like how that transition go when you finally let go of this secret, this secret life you were living? Um, good question. Yeah. He, the, the in-person guy, I think that from start to finish, um, was about a year and a half. Mm-hmm. Very intense though. Sometimes you think like, Oh, it must've been like four years. No, I think it was like a year and a half. Um, and he's cropped up as recently as February when I got married this year, he, no. he cro- cropped up on my Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. And I tried to take the high road with that, but that's a different story, but, <laughs> but <laughs> I couldn't wait, take he, the high road. He hasn't changed. He, yeah. He's never going to probably change unless you he do. He was trying to chit chat. He was trying to chit chat and I'm like, we're not friends. And I'm getting, I was literally getting married like that next week, you yeah. know, February, February 11th, I was getting married and he cropped up like February 6th and I was like, Oh, I'm so, I never knew you were going through all these struggles with alcohol and this, and that. Like, yeah, every time we would meet up, I would have to numb myself first to go through with everything, you know? Um, so that was about a year and a half. Um, but just so you know, you said it was intense. And I always say yeah. if intensity doesn't equal intimacy. So if, no. thing, if things are intense, that's a sign that you actually are not being intimate. Like, I think you're right. I think I was avoiding it. Um, I, when I listen, I listened today to your episode with the, the woman who had postpartum bipolar Mm -hmm. and she talked about not sleeping very much at all and having riding on the manic part of it. Mm -hmm. And when I look back, there was, um, about two years in there where every night I was up for probably four five, six hours in the middle of the night. And I would be doing my own thing and like chatting with these people and and like filling that void where I was just like, it was like you said, so sped up and so accelerated that it wasn't real anymore. It was just, I was detached from like my body and my person that was doing that. So, um, yeah, so that, that was about a year and a half. Um, and then when my husband came along, 
Well, because what what I was doing was posting like somewhat provocative pictures on Instagram. Okay. Not compared to a lot of the stuff that's out there, but for me and no, the, I don't post any bikini or any of those kind of shots. I'm totally I would post them with like because I'm a writer, right? So right. then I would put like some inspirational bullshit underneath. Under oh, the you guys are one like, of those. You're like, isn't there like a whole sketch where like someone's like in a bikini and it's like be one with the universe and yes. All those things. I was that girl where it was like, oh, it was just, it Meditate was so. Day. I meditated on one with the earth right. while you're like posing in a bikini. Yes. <laughs> well, you're literally have everything hanging out like, oh, you know. Oh my I, God, I love it. it. That love was exactly it. what I was doing. So of course I was attracting people that bought into that. So then when he, so he sent me a message. He actually read something I, I wrote under one of those pictures and he messaged me and we talked. Um, this is your husband now, right? My now husband. Okay. okay. Yeah. I was just making sure. <laughs> yeah. So we just, we've been together for three years now. Mm-hmm. We just got married this year. Um, and he, we chatted over FaceTime and every way, like we, we chatted every day, all day mm-hmm. for six months. And then we met in 2018, we met, he flew to Canada where I lived and um, I picked him up from the airport and never met him. But once when him and I met, we, I, that was what I needed to cut ties with all these other people. So the guy, the in-person guy was out of the picture then, although he cropped up multiple times, but I hadn't seen him in a, about a year and a half um, by the time my husband came along. And that, even when my husband came along, I remember one time he came to visit and we were going to use my Skype to talk to my family in Canada. When we logged on, all these conversations with these dudes <gasps> were like in the like side part down the sidebar. And and he took it so gracefully. But like, I know he told me he, he was bothered by it, but he knew I had a past. Mm-hmm. And so he's kind of taken the good and the bad, I guess you could say. But he never gave up on like seeing the potential like he knew who I wanted to be and Mm -hmm. he encouraged that and he was never creepy I I don't know he I'd never been treated the way that he treats me before and I never that kind of made me think you know the stuff the attention I'd been getting from those other guys was not healthy and anyway. Yeah. And it didn't bring out the best in me when he came along. I will say, I'm, I think I require a lot of attention and I don't think that's a bad thing. I think it's okay for us to say that is like, I, I didn't get a lot of that growing up. So I think that kind of played a role in, I'm not close to my family. And I left home really early when I was 17 and I moved to another continent, like I moved to England. So I just never had that closeness. So I think I was searching for that. And then when he came along, it was like, okay, it showed me how bad the other stuff. You weren't done drinking, but were you done doing the drugs when you met Mm -hmm. him? He's very anti-drugs. And honestly, it's a very expensive, cocaine's a really expensive habit. So it was like, okay, I can give this up. Um, But the drinking actually escalated in a weird way, not in a partying sense, in a like drinking on my own sense. Managing, managing. It was trying to manage to the worthy, the unworthiness. I kept, I was in fear that I was going to lose my husband, not because of anything he did, just no, because just fear of abandonment, right? Fear like of we abandonment. Self, we self sabotage with that addictive yes. behavior. Our addict self is literally sitting in the corner going, 
okay, how can I mess this up so I right. can just let it be done or have this person walk out of me now? And I just created a it self-fulfilling than- prophecy where you're right? like, okay, well, I am this girl that like nobody can love, but it's like, that's a, that's a false narrative because that's not true at all. Yeah. You know, you are worthy of that. And he showed me that and I kept showing him little more parts of me, but he didn't know that I was secretly drinking just to cope with like keeping up with my whole life. I know a lot of people that secret drink. I know oh. so many people that keep it hidden in the garage and don't tell oh, people and it's just everything. Like, it's going to catch know, up with you sooner or it later. Does. It does. It's addictive and it, and it, and it um, escalates. So you need more and more alcohol to even just survive. So then mm. it starts permeating into your day-to-day life. So that's what started happening. Yeah. But when I told him I was going to get sober and I joined this like sobriety community, he was a little bit shocked. It was just before we emigrated here. He tells me, I'm actually <laughs> I'm going to be doing a live interview with him on my Instagram in a couple of weeks and asking him unscripted questions about like what he thought about my drinking. But he says that there was a couple of times he came to visit and he could smell it on me, but he didn't really think anything of it because you could people could think you have one glass of wine. Yeah, you could be two bottles deep. Right. They, they don't always. I would get blackout, but I would still function. So, mm. no, he didn't. But there was near the end, it got pretty sloppy because there was there was um, mixing in with I was trying to stop drinking. So I would get like benzos and stuff. So then you're mixing that with alcohol and it's really really dangerous. I'm glad that you're not doing that anymore and that you're sober now from alcohol because that just amplifies Mm. every other addiction because you're just covering up that unworthiness or that fear of not being loved or not being enough. Yeah. Yeah. And so I I don't do that, but that was a big part of how that's, it had to come to that head because I wasn't going to learn any Mm. other way. You know, I needed to be found out. (laughs) Are you still, uh, this is a question. Are you Mm. still online? Are you still DMing people? Do you have like emotional conversations or affairs anymore? Do you do any of that? No, I don't do that anymore. Um, I haven't fully rectified the, the persona that I was back then. And I think it's still, you know, that's a good question. There's still a side of me that does like attention in yeah, a certain way. So, so within my, sobri- right, yeah. within my sobriety community, there's, you know, you know how it is. You want everyone to get sober in your community. So you're cheering each other on. You're trying to be support. And I'm kind of like the most vocal like cheerleader for other people. So I have, it's like a power trip when you have like people relying on you. Like, oh, I'm like, you can text me in the middle of the night. Like, I'll be there. Like, and it's like, I had to recently in the last couple of months, I had to slow things down with that because I found some of my old behaviors cropping up in that. Yeah. 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 And, but it's, it's a sneaky one because I had a therapist in Canada and then since immigrating and because of COVID, it's so hard to find a good therapist in network and whatever, whatever. Right. Which is why my sobriety meetings have been really important because I'm like, I need reality checks because it's quite easy. I'm a daydreamer and I'm a writer and I just go off into these like other worlds of things where it's hard to sometimes discern what's reality and what isn't, especially with lack of sleep, trying to get sober, your body's like detoxing all of this, never mind the emotional stuff that you drank over, or used over for years. So then that's cropping up. Like, you know, right? Like oh you're my like, God, yeah, <sighs> my withdrawal like a- from sex and love addiction was nine months. I had to literally <sighs> give up every man in my life, no friends, 
no talking, texting, or eating any men whatsoever. That would be like going to a restaurant and not making eye contact with a waiter because I was taking putting all that energy yeah. when I didn't even want to put off that flirtatious energy. It was just coming because I was so used to getting filled. I say you're raping other people for their energy. And yes. that is one of the hardest <laughs> things. And when yes. you do it and you know, in sobriety of like, I'm going to be of service to you. Like in my program, men and women do not be of service to each other. You do not, you know, help somebody if they're struggling in their addiction. Like it is too slippery a slope. Yeah, It's so true. Um, I think the other part of that is though too, is that I have a lot of females that in sobriety that have wanted to become close to. Mm-hmm. I don't know where the lines are blurred. And my husband and I talk about that because just as much as it's male, nowadays it can be anybody can yeah. have a crush on you or an unhealthy obsession or whatever. And I, I'm i like you where I used to give off those flirtatious vibes to like, li- everybody would love me. Like, oh, yeah, I said I can flirt with the chair. Like right? I will literally flirt with the chair to get <laughs> right? some attention and validation. Yes. <laughs> and then to have to detox from that is really hard because you can get thrown back into that place where you don't feel worthy and you're like, nobody's paying attention to me. And it's like, you know, so it has been healthy um, and good, good timing that we moved here. And I don't really know anybody here. And I guess with COVID everything's all my sobriety meetings are still online and stuff. So I formed really solid friendships that way, but I haven't um, been out in the wild with like having to deal with this. So it's going to be a that's whole a, other bag remains, of trip. <laughs> remains to be seen, Brianne. I don't know, like going out <laughs> in the wild. I'm like, what's going to happen? I know because- it's, it's like a whole other new game, but we are, but I could literally talk to you forever, but I do have one more question in yeah. case a listener is out there and they go online and they have those sexual conversations or mm. they bumped it up to that next level with its money and pictures and videos like mm. you did. What would be your advice for someone that's doing that and feeling like it feels good, but then I'm sure they're feeling that not good? What would you say to them? You know, I I really think that for me, it was about looking at how it, how it made me feel. So there's something I read about the things that come to you in the night, in the quiet, in the still, those are your yearnings and your, your calling. So when I would go to sleep, when I'd be completely sober or whatever, which wasn't very often, but, but there would be times when I would get back to how those things made me feel and they didn't make me feel good. So looking at yourself and saying, I need to do something different than what I'm doing because what I'm doing is not working. Right. And you've talked about this before, about you can't do this alone. You really can't. And for me, I had to reach out to strangers. I didn't know anybody in the sobriety community. Um, My husband, I had to give that a chance where I didn't know him. Right. And, um, but I had to, but I connected, I never talked to him about sexual things or things like that in the beginning. I had to do it different. Right. So I think that's my advice is, is do it different and reach out to anybody. So, you know, hopefully somebody that's like, not just like a DM necessarily, but even that just reach out what feels comfortable and talk about it. Like what we're doing right now is really cathartic in terms of moving that energy. And I'm big on like trying to move that through. I cry a lot more now in sobriety, but then I get it all the time. It's like all all the the time. Mother, motherhood does it too, I think. But like literally I'll have a cry in the shower and I'm like, I don't even really remember what it was about later that day. Right. No, you You just have to move it. It's that stuck energy. Or if you're feeling a feeling, like feel your feeling, you are not going to die from that feeling. 
feeling. No, we don't like to feel bad feelings, but yeah, if you are out there and you are finding yourself in this pattern of behavior over and over again, where you're putting yourself out there sexually and you really don't want to, you know, there is other people that have gone through this and that is reach out. There's communities all over that you know, talk about this stuff. Right. And if you looked at me, I mean, obviously they won't see me, but if you looked at me now, you wouldn't think that this is something that I had been through. And so that really, that message is that you, this person you see now is the person that was always there and that's inside of you and you can get to that person, but you have to do something different. You can't keep doing the same thing and expecting different results. So. Amen, sister. Amen. (laughs) Oh, Kat, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your truth. Of course, we talked way too long, but I just love when women come out and say their truth and things they have done and it doesn't define us as people. So I am so grateful for you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I think this is an important conversation. (laughs) And if you want to be on the show, please email me at secretlifepodcast at iCloud.com. Until next time. Thanks again for listening to the show. Please subscribe, rate, share, or send me a note at secretlifepodcast.com. And if you'd like to check out my book, head over to secretlifenovel.com or Amazon to pick up a copy for yourself or someone you love. Thanks again. See you soon.